1: There are those who will take a look at God in the Old Testament and say, well, he's an angry God. So we'll see today that anger is there, but it's only for a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. Today's edition of Abounding Grace is up next. Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner, who today will take us to Psalm 30, as well as 1 Chronicles 21, in a message simply entitled, God's anger is for a moment, His favor is for a lifetime. And to be sure, God demands justice when it comes to sin and the offense that we have brought Him, but His favor lasts for eternity, and therein lies the great deal of encouragement Join us for an encouraging look at the God's Word today. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with this edition of Abounding Grace.
0: God's anger is for a moment, but His favor is for a lifetime. Psalm 30 is one of those hymns that everyone thinks he understands because we are so familiar with the words of this beautiful text. But when you listen to most people's explanation of it, their interpretation is one of sentiment, not an understanding of the psalm's reality in David's life. This psalm is so embedded in an obscure event in the history of David and Israel that its full understanding cannot be obtained without an understanding of that obscure event. So if you would... Please turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. We'll probably spend as much time today on 1 Chronicles as we're going to for our text, Psalm 30, because they are truly inseparable, and you cannot understand Psalm 30 without the context of 1 Chronicles chapter 21. At this point in Israel's life and David's life, David is internationally powerful. Israel at this point is probably one of the greatest, strongest, wealthiest, most influential nations in all of the Middle East. The people have a great national pride in their accomplishments, and it is in that context that this great event takes place. I'm going to read the entire chapter of 1 Chronicles 21, and I pray, beloved, that he blesses the reading of this word to your hearts and to your minds. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, And bring the number of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be, but my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab, Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand, thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred, threescore, and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them. For the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thou saith the Lord, Choose thee, either three years of famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that sword of thy enemy overtaketh thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having drawn a sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I, it is that, have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, "'Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people.' And Ornan said unto David, "'Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes.'" "'Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offerings. I give it all.' And King David said to Ornan, "'Nay, but I will verily pay for the full price, for I will not take that which is is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost.' So David gave to Ornan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight." And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there for the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering were at that season in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Now most people don't even know this event occurred in Israel's life. So for just a moment, let let us review this story very carefully. So you can see the elements you need to hear to bear in mind, to understand Psalm 30. David is powerful. David is proud. He shares in the national pride and patriotism of Israel that has somewhat robbed God of his glory. So Satan put in the heart of David to count the number of men available for military service, and David does so out of pride. Look at me. Look how strong and powerful Israel is. Satan wants to bring David down. Satan wants David to look like a fool. And Satan knows that pride comes before destruction, so he moves David to do this very foolish and wicked thing out of pride. Now David's general, Joab, knows better than David at this point. And David instructs him to go and call out the Israelites to find out how many men he had in all of the tribes. And Joab very respectfully says, Your Majesty, I hope your numbers vastly increase over what they are today. But all of the people of Israel will serve you. So don't add guilt to Israel by requiring this muster so you can show off. Beloved, that's the underlying problem here, pride. The king, of course, wins out over his general, and the general does what he's told, going to and fro throughout Israel, mustering the people for a census. The chronicler said that in Israel there were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and in the land of Judah there were 4,700 men who drew the sword. But Joab didn't count Levi and Benjamin. Did you notice that? In other words, he didn't finish the census. Because what David commanded him to do abhorred him. And he knew it was being done out of pride. Now God was displeased with David, giving in to Satan and counting the people because this would give David reason to boast. It was as if he was finding comfort and security in his soldiers, and in his in his own supposed greatness instead of God. So the Lord said to David, I'm going to judge you and your people, and I want you to choose. I want you, David, to determine how I'm going to do it. And you have three options and I'll do whatever you decide. I will judge your people by either three years of famine or three months of being swept away by your enemies, their swords devouring your people, or three days of the sword of the Lord with the angel of the Lord sending a plague throughout your land. Which one will it be, David? David says to the prophet Gad and to the Lord through The prophet, I'm in great distress. I do not want to fall into the hands of men, so I lay myself into the hands of God, for His mercies are very great. In other words, he doesn't really want to make one of the three choices laid before him by God. So the Lord sent pestilence, a plague to Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell in just hours. God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But in the midst of the destruction, God said to the angel, that's enough. Relax your sword. Don't kill anyone else. And then the text says, this of the angel, Lord, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God, who is standing on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind, beloved, because nothing is put in the Word of God. Coincidentally, and we'll get back to that. Then David lifted his eyes from prayer and saw the angel standing there with his sword drawn, and the elders dressed in sackcloth lying on their faces. That was the custom in ancient Israel as well as other nations. When you were grieving tremendously over your own sin and you were repenting of it, you wore itchy, uncomfortable sackcloth to to uh, express remorse publicly, and then you would prostrate yourself on your face in the dirt in humility. And David then pleads with God, Lord, it's not the fault of my sheep. It's not the fault of the people of Israel. Don't punish them anymore with this plague. I'm the one that sinned. I'm the one that is done wickedly. I'm the one who required the senses out of pride simply so my people would brag on me. I'm the one who sinned. I'm the one who should face your judgment. Lord, pour out your judgment on me in their place. In the angel of the Lord, that is the Son of God, in a pre-incarnate appearance, commanded the prophet to tell David to go up and to build an altar unto the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Build an altar on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. What does that have to do with anything? You'll see in a few minutes. So David goes up to the place where the threshing floor is, and Ornan sees him coming. Of course, Ornan is a bit surprised to see the king to him, but he bows out of respect. And then David says he wants the site of Ornan's threshing floor because God has commanded him to build an altar on that site. I'll pay the full price for the property, uh, David says. But in so many words, Ornan says, What are you talking about, Your Majesty? You don't need to pay me for the property, You do with it what you will. I'll even give you the oxen for the sacrifice and the wood to burn it. I'll also give you wheat for the wheat offering. You don't have to pay anything. But David said, no, I must pay for it. I will not offer a burnt offering or anything that doesn't cost me a cent. After all, this is a sacrifice. And how can it be a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me something, David says? So David pays 600 shekels of gold for the site. He built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and a thanksgiving unto the Lord for staying his hand and ending the plague. David calls upon the Lord, and the Lord confirmed that David was doing the right thing by sending a miraculous fire from heaven that burnt up the burnt offerings." And then the Lord turned to the angel and said, "'Put away your sword. The plague is over.'" Now, before we go on, why was David told to build an altar to the Lord on Ornan, the Jebusite's threshing floor? It was actually on Mount Moriah, which was the site of the future temple built by Solomon. There are no coincidences in Scripture, beloved. That's why this was such an important place. This is where the Israelites would offer sacrifices to God for centuries to come. So there's the background to Psalm 30. Now think was David's sin in simply taking a census? No, absolutely not. If you remember, Moses took two senses. The sin was David's attitude and aim in taking that particular sentence, senses. He said, I'm guilty of pride, just as Joab had tried to tell me. And then in Psalm 30, he confesses his sins. God was, of course, angry with David and Israel for their spiritual condition. Israel had backslidden, and it was obvious David shared in their condition. They were both trusting in national pride and patriotism, and that was thus robbing God of His glory due. So David took the sentence be- senses because he wanted to confirm his own national strength. Bigger is better, after all, is it not? So God used Satan to test his own people. God was angry with his people. He was angry with David, so he allowed Satan to tempt David into numbering his large fighting force in order to accomplish his own purposes. Satan had, his, it had a purpose in inciting David to take this census, but God had a greater purpose, and as always, God won out. God allowed Satan to tempt David into taking the senses over pride so that David could use the situation to humble, or so God could use the situation to both humble David and Israel. Sometimes it's difficult to separate the work of Satan and God in our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? Think of it this way. There was a little old lady one time kneeling before her rocking chair who had just eaten the last of her food, milk and cornbread. Sounds good, doesn't it, Lee? Good southern food. And she was praying, Lord, I don't have any more money. I don't have any more food. Please provide me with more milk and cornbread at which time two teenage boys were walking by her open window and heard her praying. They decided to play a lousy joke on her, so they went home and got a bowl of cornbread and milk, and they placed it on her windowsill. They hid down below the window, and when the woman got up from her prayers, she saw her prayers had been answered, so she started praising God for answering her prayer so miraculously. At which point the two teenagers got up laughing, her, laughing at her and mocking her, saying, We're the ones who brought it. We're the ones who brought it. And the woman looked at them with a bright smile on her face, and she says, The devil might have brought it, but God sent it. We need to remember that when we face trials, just like the situation with David. God does manipulate Satan for his purposes and always, always, always for his children's good. Now finally, let's go to Psalm 30. How does the historical context of 1 Chronicles help us understand Psalm 30? Well, remember first, some of the psalms have titles that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this one says, a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house. So if you want to understand the psalm, you've got to understand what the house is Earlier when I read First Chronicles 21, I included the first verse of chapter 22, which called the altar the house of the Lord, which is the site of Ornan the Jebusite's threshing floor on Mount Moriah. Now, how do I know that? Well, the old Mosaic tabernacle was also called the house of the Lord. But according to chapter 21, verses 29 and 30, it was nowhere near David to visit, nor could it be brought to Mount Moriah. And the fact that God sent fire from heaven to burn up the burnt offering was proof that God approved of what was going on at Mount Moriah, therefore calling it the house of the Lord. Then in places like Genesis 28:22, which is about Jacob's ladder and Jacob's resting and sleeping at Bethel while God revealed himself to them, is also called a house of the Lord, even though no structure was erected there. But that was before David's time and nowhere near Mount Moriah. Also, this house can't have reference to the tabernacle or the house of God because David didn't build the temple. That came with his son Solomon nor does it have any reference to David's palace. Think about this, because that would undercut the whole point of the psalm, which was national pride. So, it refers to this one obscure event where David built an altar on the threshing floor and built a shelter over it made of wood and then expressly calls the place the house of of the Lord God. That's why Psalm 30 is called a psalm at the dedication of the house of David or the house of the Lord God. And how we know Psalm 30 is a reference back to 1 Chronicles 21.
1: Midweek services, 7.15 Wednesday evenings, again, at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Again, directions and information can be found at 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.